Good evening, and if you're just tuning in, you are listening or watching the Angel Rock live on UPRN uh, TV and radio. And if you're looking for it, the best place, if you guys want to join in the conversation, if you've been to the show before, you know I love to make you part of the show, uh, please head over to UFO Paranormal Radio Network, either the Facebook page or on the uh, YouTube channel, UPRN, sorry, let me restart, United Public Radio Network. And again, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you've never been here before, I'm the host, Laura Lee Potvin. I'm a Canadian clairvoyant medium, crystal Reiki energy healer, Akashic Records practitioner, spiritual teacher and mentor, and I'm a registered nurse. So we're also listening on 105.3 out of New Orleans, Louisiana. We're global. And again, if you guys are on Roku, come and join us. That's new. We're on TV. How you find us, easiest way, type in UFO space P, like you're going to spell paranormal and come up. I know I've sent it to many people today to find it that way, and it does work. So please join us. Now, my show, I say, cover all aspects of um, the paranormal, the esoteric, the spiritual side, with a little bit of truth-seeking thrown in. But I also always end the show on a positive note. And I also like to talk about things like the power of the mind, power of positivity, law of attraction, how to access your own spiritual gifts, and whatnot. Now, the guests that I have on the show, and our guest today is no different, I have people from all walks of life that through whatever they're doing professionally or extracurricular, Particularly, they're making a positive change for humanity. And everybody, this is one of our newest hosts. I'm going to read his bio and then we're going to jump right in. His name is Bart, uh, Bart Sharp. He is an intuitive and shamanistic practitioner helping people release their deepest repressed limitations. Bart has served others for 20 years combining psychological knowledge with an immense knowledge of how the energetic body works in relation to the human condition, whether it is an abused childhood, interacting with shadow aspects of self, that's one of my favorite topics to work with people, um, entity removal, or various highly abnormal traumas, Bart has helped those with anything from normal to unusual issues. The desire to teach and facilitate a greater consciousness is Bart's driving passion. He does this in a variety of ways from private sessions, classes, books such as Magic Speaks, audio downloads, intuitive, intuitive, sorry, tour guides, or he's an intuitive tour guide to sacred sites in Southwest France. We can't wait to get into that. And as a radio show host, like I said, on Wednesdays, I believe, he's going to talk more about that. And his show is called Becoming quantum conscious on uprn and his home is in austin texas and southwest france so welcome bart i'm so glad to have you here thank you lord i it's such a pleasure to be here um you know i, I always love listening to your voice it's there's something so pleasing and welcoming by it um I want to I, thank I, you oh go ahead feminine but uh I just think it's just a wonderful voice. I'll just keep it plain, plain and simple. Well, thank uh, so you. Thank but you. I'm going to tell you this. I've never been told this in my life till I started podcasting. And I always joke and say, if I had a nickel for that, and it's not coming from ego, because it always surprises oh. me. Everybody seems 
to say this about my voice. And I'm sure my partner, the Dell, as we call him on the network, he mm -hmm. wouldn't agree with you. He'd probably wish I would stop talking sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so gosh, I got a million. There's so many things we could talk about because actually Bart and I connected on the weekend to get to know each other. And I'm so glad that we did. And I said, oh, I don't have a guest tonight. And sometimes I will do shows just on my own. It's lots of fun because you interact with the audience and talk about whatever they want to talk about. But how did you get into all this? Like, what was the, as I call it, the muggle job, you know, the day-to-day, -day, uh, nine-to-five type of thing we do. And then we discover, holy cow, there's a whole other world out there. So what got you started in the field that you're in? Well, I'll be completely honest, uh, point blank. I was in a lot of pain. I okay. saw how I would always say the dumbest things to people. And it was always my repressed nature that I was always trying to hold back and I might be frustrated with somebody. And sure enough, I would stick my foot in my mouth and say something and I'd be walking away from that or seconds later, I'd be going, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. And I knew mm -hmm. that this was just a lot of repressed stuff that hadn't been resolved. And I went to counselors or therapist and Al-Anon, and I did all of that work, which is really great. However, when I started getting to the energetic side of it, uh, and, and I had done a lot of somatic approach therapy with the therapist, and so I knew what it felt like to have limitations or the feeling of like something like repressed anger, how it would be held in my body. I could feel it all the time, thanks to the therapist's help. However, when I did energy work on it, I could feel it move and leave, and I was hooked. I thought, oh, my God, it can move that quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just see that there's not a lot of limitations with it. I, I was just telling a, a client that uh, today who's done a lot of work with me as of recent times, has some intense stuff happening. And I say, there comes a point where you feel so comfortable with your tools that you've learned that you feel like you can change anything in your life. And what a wonderful state of being that anyone can give them themselves by finding the tools that really work for you. Right. Do you, I'm going to say hi to Michelle. She joins us all the way over from Australia. She says, good day, y'all. She usually tunes in when she's getting ready for work. So thanks for being here, Michelle. So you know what I find, though, and we were having this conversation on Saturday, that, yes, we can, we can do the healing work. We can on ourselves. But it's actually easier, I find, anyways, that to do healing work with other people because we don't have an emotional attachment to it. We have an emotional attachment in the way that we want to help people, help them feel better, help them realize like exactly what you said. It's very easy to move because as you know, I think it's a nursing aspect too, but knowing, you know, development within a child, 
we're talking about mainly emotional and psychological as well as physical but the most the emotional and the psychological i don't think a lot of people realize that a child and i believe even within the womb but that's a whole different show we could do about when does the soul actually sometimes stays within the womb sometimes it kind of migrates and comes in and out for the yeah. first couple of months whatever right but nonetheless we'll say zero days when they're born up to about seven and even beyond they're like little sponges all of us were little sponges and we heard everything that came in we may not have understood it uh we just tucked it away in the subconscious higher self right and that forms a lot of our opinions and beliefs right and we tend to we don't even yes. know sometimes yes. it's there mm -hmm. I, I i tell clients that between birth and two we're like a psychic spongebob and we're oh, picking up absolutely absolutely stuff from our parents reality and then at age two, we begin that process of separation. And mm -hmm. that's another process. But also what well, that's why you get that terrible twos, right? People call it that, but the child's yeah, starting to learn that they're separate from the parent and, and self-expression. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And and yes, it can be seen as rebellious or mm -hmm. inappropriately expressive or spontaneous, or you know, a I lot think of people it's have healthy. A lot of it's healthy. It is. It's normal. It is. <laughs> you know, and you know, I like to refer, I was just referring on my last show with a uh, heart yoga about Joseph Chilton Pierce, a really amazing mm -hmm. psycho neuro linguist teaches okay. in Harvard, that little small school up there in Northeast. That teeny tiny little one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But he also says that children function out of their parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're so calm and they always are gentle. They had this reaction to love everything. Uh, they want to play. And that's um, their work. That's yeah, children's that's work. Mm -hmm. And then when we learn as adults to let go of all the sympathetic and all the emotions and do, you know, all the meditative activations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 we start returning to parasympathetic. And, and, and really turn into, you know, they always say that you need to come back to your child, but it doesn't mean that you're acting childish. Mm -mm. You're energetically aligned with it or neurologically aligned with it, excuse me. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong because like when I'm working with people to help them uncover the gifts that we all have. I think that part of, I always say my mission being here and again, not from an ego point, but is to get people to realize those that are open to it. I would never tell somebody what to do, but those that are open to it and seeking, they know there's something more, but they're not really sure what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And part of that is we all are able to connect into the universal consciousness. We all have psychic abilities. I believe it's our birthright to be able to communicate, say, with animals telepathically. I mean, there's so many things we can do as humans that we've been told isn't even possible, but oh, yes, it is, and much more, I believe. But also, could that be just a higher form of love? And that some people, they're, yeah. they're tuned into it. They They know, they have a knowing just... They're gifted with that higher form of, of, of being. Some of us uh, come from, you know, for me, like redneck Texas families 
that, uh, you know, worship John Wayne and shotguns mm -hmm. and, and punching people in the face, you know, we had to kind of work on our repressed emotions before we mm -hmm. could really get into a higher form of love. However, there's others that are living in that reality all the time. And mm -hmm. I, I like to say is you lucky dog uh, that you have all of these great gifts that have brought you over to the other side. Not that I'm saying mm -hmm. you're perfect, uh, but you do have something that, uh, you know, is truly to be grateful for. Give me one sec here, Bart. Hi, Carrie. Welcome. She said, hi, Laura Lee and Bart. And you said, what are the stars for? Donations? Don't know what that is for or what, um, how that works. Are you talking about Facebook? If you are, I know that stars you can send. Uh, like we're probably, I think you're over on UPRN or one of Joe Montaldo's pages because I know where I streamed the show tonight. So yeah, I believe you can purchase stars and then you can send them. It's kind of like a donation. So thanks for asking, Carrie. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little thought here. Thank so you. what you think? I I agree with you that there are people that are they live in total love and what have you. Okay, but I really believe that Earth is a school. And that part of being here on earth is living in balance. So as I was hearing you about the redneck and the whole bit, I think all of us need that little bit of that and a little bit of love. But I think what we have to guide us, we're getting, and I'm always called this woo woo for people that, you know, they maybe don't understand a lot of these higher consciousness type things. Hey, Joe, are you popping on here? Or are you just sitting in the background? I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were asking about the stars. Carrie is. So if you got something to add, you're welcome to hop on. Um, where was I going with this? Sorry, I was talking and then I lost my train of thought here. No, but I, I know what it is. We, I think that we need a little bit of everything, right? And when we were talking about children, I don't, I, I've yet, I've worked in the NICU, I've worked in maternal newborn, pediatrics, been around children my whole life. Um, I just have, I, and children really gravitate. Even when we were wearing masks, I find they kind of just gravitate. And so do animals, right? And sometimes that happens. I think we can all feel energy, but my point is children don't come in with hate, right? Mm -hmm. They come in loving, open, living in the now, being open to creativity, love and joy. Because like I said, I really believe their work is play or play is their work. And I think we lose that as adults. And like when we're able to navigate back to more of that way of being, I think that that's when we start to connect with our inner gifts. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I agree with you totally. And in doing shamanic work with people, I read that in their body and always ask those questions. Basically, mm -hmm. I do a very sophisticated form of muscle testing or applied okay. kinesiology. I'm asking the body okay. questions but I've done it for so long, uh, almost 20 okay. years. It's, it's a language in itself. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm always asking, well, when was that first big trauma happening in your life that you shifted uh, and started losing that? It, it, Tony Robbins says this, he says, you have your greatest limiting story. And I added to it, well, you, if you have your greatest limiting story, you also established a greatest limiting emotion 
which is uh, either shame, sadness, or fear. And we start living from that point as our key reference point. And everything references from that to what we think and do throughout our days until we start to recognize that it's there and start to recognize the story and, and those things. So when we start into that journey, and this could happen anywhere from birth to seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. um, my godson started at eight because he, his father died and he suddenly became the man of the house while he had this carefree, loving childhood before that. Total switch in his whole personality. Uh, and I got to become his godfather at that point. However, everybody's different. You know, where we had that big challenge, and I think we pick it up karmically, and the sympathetic nervous system starts to take over at that point. And there's also influencing factors of how much negativity you have in your life. Another mm-hmm. Chilton Pierce reference is every time you're you're told something negative or told no or, you know, barked at or watch a violent television show as a, as a child, you flip out of your parasympathetic and you go into sympathetic. And it takes about 30 minutes to do that, to, to return to mm-hmm. sympathetic or parasympathetic. I'm getting them confused. So during that time, your body just doesn't feel right. And you develop in your primal brain instead of your frontal lobe brain. And to me, this is the most crucial thing to really start looking at. Uh, and how do we turn on our parasympathetic again? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay. all, all that stuff. Uh, there's lots of ways to do. It. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, Bart. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I'm trying to make those pauses and keep that nice flow going because I love just, your voice. Just be yourself, or just having a conversation. So, because I got lots of questions for you, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's really finding out where that is stored in a person's body. You know, it's almost like they hold these energies of these memories. And and so we can address those. And that's what the therapists are doing with somatic response. They go back to these times and you become present with that energy and you, you start to feel it and get very intimate with it. And hopefully you'll become comfortable with it. And I was like, you know, I was like a WTF moment with my therapist. Of course, I didn't tell tell him this. I was too polite in those days. Uh, Just how I thought that that really didn't work for me. I wanted this stuff to move and leave, be gone. And, uh, what I found is any type of energetic interaction can change that memory. But you have to come in with something to just shift the, the energetic dynamics. And it, it can be a lot of things. So I do clearing statements from access consciousness. That's what I do because it's fast and efficient. But also I have dealt with a lot big terms of grief over losing a, like the love of my life um, about 15 years ago. And uh, I would just connect with the light in my heart. This is getting really woo-woo. But I would feel this feeling of loneliness and sadness, which was uh, stimulating me to start thinking negative thoughts. And so every time I thought 
negative thoughts and would obsess about this woman and how bad it was not to have her in my life, you know, like a bad country and Western song. Um, I would stop and sit down and get in touch with my heart and find a place that was in trauma. And I would mm -hmm. just send it light. Then the trauma would disappear in my body and all my thoughts would be positive. And I just kept doing that. And after about three weeks, I had no obsessive behaviors towards my former girlfriend. Uh, okay. I'm going to yeah. stop you there just for one sec. Okay. So for people listening and tuning in, these are a lot of terms. For me, they're not odd being a nurse. I understand a lot of these, but people listening to this. So some of the emotions you talked about, some of the ones I was thinking about, I was thinking about in the way of you said shame, fear. Please forgive me. I forget the third one, but I was thinking about where does Thanks. anger, what is, pardon? Anger's number four. And then guilt, because guilt is a big one too, right? Yeah, guilt is more of a derivative. I think guilt's a really fascinating emotion because it takes action about something that you've done wrong. And it makes that insistency. Of or it. that you own, that you think you have done wrong, but you've done nothing to create that guilt feeling. You've taken ownership yeah, of the situation. Say there was a car accident and you couldn't have done a thing to stop it, but somebody lost their life. Let's take the movie mm -hmm. Seven Pounds. What, that movie makes me, and I'm not a crier. I, I mean, I'm just bawling by the end of it. And he took ownership, Will Smith, his character in that movie, for the accident that took the lives of seven people. And right. the whole last part of his life was trying to make amends for this. And he did lose the character, the love of his life, his fiance. Mm -hmm. Now, could he have prevented that accident? I believe they tried to show that maybe there was something he was doing. Like, I think he was distracted for a moment, a human moment that happens. Mm -hmm. And they ended mm -hmm. up getting in the car accident. There was a lot of guilt there that you would hope yeah. you'd be able to help somebody like that. Say it was an accident. There was nothing you could have done. Somebody ran a stop yeah. sign and, you know, if, and there's people I've met that will say, well, if I hadn't been there, I hadn't been driving or I hadn't been doing this, you know, my so-and-so, whatever it may be, wouldn't have died. Like if only I had stayed home or I'd gone a different way and the guilt. So there's a lot of people that harbor guilt or I wasn't there when my loved one died, I didn't make it in time. I didn't. So a lot of people hang on to guilt that really isn't well, their fault. And that's the I see, I see emotions as layers. Mm -hmm. And so guilt might be on the outside layer. Mm -hmm. And then you take a journey and see what's below that. And, I hear you. Um, and, you know, I see emotions as five different basic emotions. You got your basic three, sadness, shame, and fear. Then the fourth would probably be anger. And the fifth would be arousal. In other words, that desire to return to something pleasant. That could be happiness. That could be joy, love, you know, all of these different things. So when you look mm -hmm. at guilt, you know, does that person get depressed because they can't do anything about it? That would mean that they probably have like a core uh, issue that is sad. Um they could so what also about this? Heather Cooper. Hi, thank you for this. She says she gave a good example and she's right. Guilty about making a decision that you're not sure you made the right decision. 
So if we peel that back, are we looking at things like I don't trust myself to make the type of decisions I do? Where is that distrust coming from? Is that what you're yeah. trying to say? Or am I not hearing you right? Well, that, that could also go back to shame. Is that you did not feel good enough about yourself uh, in all your decisions and you and you created kind of a doubt with that. But, you know, no one was telling you probably in your childhood, you're a very smart young boy or girl. You know, you're capable of doing these things. And so you may be living in insecurity, you know, throughout your life because you've been taught that you are a lesser person. And you're fighting from that place. It's funny when I go into this stuff and you can do it really simple is um, maybe I would say in relation to killing second seven people in the car accident. In the movie. What the seven, seven pounds. And I would just muscle test and go through the muscle testing. And, and, and also okay, I see it now. I get emotion. it. And, and you sort of get of a layout with that. You know, because uh, because you know a lot of things, extreme things can uh, evolve from those things. Okay, can uh, I stop you right there? Because and that's where I was going to go with this. We're going to have people here who won't understand what the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system is. So we got to break it down in a little bit different language. Mm -hmm. So with muscle testing for people who don't understand, and please correct me, Bart, if I'm wrong, but we're able to test, and maybe I'll let you explain it further, but the way I've seen it is, say you're picking up vitamins, there's a whole array of different yes. companies of vitamins, and you pick up the jar and you can put it in your hand and say, first you would test yourself to see where the muscle strength is. And it's not the same mm -hmm. probably as what you're going to do, but I'm hoping you can share your a little bit of your process in a minute. Yes. But yes. then you pick up the bottle and you, you, and you're going to ask, is this good for my body? And the body, your arm will either all of a sudden go straight down or it'll hold steady. Like your body will tell you. And I know I'm right. oversimplifying, right. but for yourself, what do you mean by muscle testing? So people know, because that and, would confirm your body would tell words, you. This is muscle testing comes from the premise that your body uh, comes from an infinite source and it will tell you what? what is best in any situation if you ask the questions. Yeah. And and also what I do when I'm uh, shopping is I might have that vitamin and I will stick it against my chest and I will make sure that I'm standing straight up like an arrow and my feet are under my hips. So I'm kind of like on that teetering of leaning forward or leaning backwards, but I'm right in the middle. So using if, your body as a pendulum, that's what I call it, rather than whipping out your pendulum in the store. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so you kind of pull forward if it's right and push backwards. And, you know, when you first start doing this, um, you know, pre be prepared to make mistakes mm -hmm. uh, uh, because you're basically starting to create an intimacy with your body and asking your body questions and getting out of your head with a lot of stuff. And it's an evolution. This is just the first step in the process. Well, Michelle um, says light and heavy is another way, maybe, but. I know yeah. when I teach people and I've shown people on the show before, I've been a guest on a show. We get talking about energy and pendulum pendulums. Mm -hmm. 
and I'll show them. I did this on a few shows ago. I can do, I have one right here and I can hold my arm steady. And the problem with the pendulum, because once you start understanding mm -hmm. energy, yeah. move it with my mind so I can tell it. And I will tell you, well, I'll show you. I might as well do it right now. Why explain it when I got one? Just let me grab one here. Where are you? Of course, you don't want to come out. I have all my uh, many crystals. I'm the crystal queen here. Oh, here's one. This is a pretty one. Okay, I will try not to shake my arm because I can't steady it on something because it'll be too low, guys. So I got to hold it in the air. So with the pendulum, right? And all this is is amplifying my energy field. So I'm going to ask it to move back and forward. Okay, now I'm going to ask it to stop. And of course, I wouldn't say this out loud. And I'm going to ask it to spin. I'm going to ask it to stop. Let me breathe for a sec. So my arm moved. Okay, now I'm going to ask it to move the other way. My arm moved. Sorry, guys. Dang. Stop. So I've had people call me a witch. I've had people call me all kinds of things. That's not what it is. Once you understand the principles of the power of the mind, I believe, and I haven't mastered it all, but once you understand that in energy, you can, so I don't like to use a pendulum myself for anything that I have a vested interest in <laughs> because I can make it exactly. go any way I want. The and body's I, a I little love, different. I love the Sorry, go ahead. comment. If it's light, if it's right, it's light. It's so mm -hmm. true. True. And, and, you can and highlight I it if you want to see it. Heart. I think you can highlight it yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I ask these questions. And, and my favorite story is about nine years ago, I realized financially I could go live in another country. And this mm -hmm. seemed so tantalizing for me. And, you know, I asked a lot of my friends what they thought and got a lot of great ideas. One of my closest friends says, Southwest France, Southwest France. And I'm going, oh, that's too expensive. And I, I don't know French. How am I going to survive over there? But when I started asking the question about, oh, man, France would be just awesome. And I could just feel it in my heart just getting big. Yeah. But I logically thought, oh, I needed to go to Belize because they speak English. And it's on the beach. And it's closed. And it's cheap. And yada, yada, yada. And it felt heavy. My gut felt heavy. And, of course, I eventually chose France. And this totally changed my life from having a tour business to going to all of these power spots and all of this stuff changes. So I'm always paying attention to my heart when I ask questions. And if it gets expansive and light, I know there's something to pay attention to. Because you've learned to listen to your body. And when we were talking on Saturday, I showed you what I jokingly call my Bible. It's not my Bible, folks, but it's called The Secret Language of Your Body. And the reason it's by Ina Segal. And the reason why I like it is it works with a lot of these, these, these things we're talking about. But it goes by every body part practically in the body. It'll break it down and relate what the emotion is and what's affecting why you're having an issue with it. It also breaks it down by disease process. And then she teaches you how to work with various colors and how to release various emotions that come up as well. And I find it very helpful. Um, I have a video actually on my YouTube channel where I walk people through because it's not up to me to tell somebody what a color is to them, what it means to them and what it feels like. But I walk them through with creating an energy ball. 
So we can all feel energy, right? You just rub your hands, close your eyes, imagine a ball, right? And then you start thinking about your color, the color. So if I gave you black, I'm going to ask you, okay, what? imagine you're holding this energy ball you can feel that feels like black. And you're going to say, what does it feel like to you? Is it smooth? Is it rough? Is it heavy? Is it light? And we go through that. How does it make you feel? And as you know, I don't go through every color, but I start walking people through this because then you get your own color coding system to understand what these emotions are. So say anybody's meant to work with that book. It's not just for myself, but then you start to sort of intuitively know, just like you're explaining with the language of the body, you know, by what you feel because you've been able to tune into it. And I agree 100% with you right? There's a reason why we have so many cliches, follow your heart, right? Or I mean, you could go on and on, trust your gut, right? Watch your back. I mean, the body too, I always say that that pain is the body's language. It's basically saying, yeah, pay attention to me. I need some help here. Now, I don't usually mention this, but I work as a medical intuitive as well. So what I will do with people, if that's something they come to see me about, is I will do a scan and you don't have to be in front of me. Um, actually, my, I'll share something really funny. My youngest son that it has a severe autism, people have seen him all the show and I talk about him a lot. Um, when he has pain, if anybody was around us, they would think we were crazy because he will say to me, mommy, feel it, feel it, mommy, feel it. So I usually just close my eyes and run my hand over the body and I know where the pain is. Sometimes I can really pick it up and it's you can feel what somebody is feeling so I kind of do that with the scan right and then by what I see because I really believe our words our emotions Mm -hmm. and our thoughts are some of the most powerful things right everything on this planet is energy and because we can't create nor destroy it it has to go somewhere we're going to have to transfer it from one place to another if it moves so I feel that and I think you and I are talking about the same things with yeah, you know we, illness, disease, whatever it may be, we're storing it. So to me, I can see that. Like I'll be able to energetically see it. Is it black? Is it heavy? Is it jagged? Is it thick? Is it gray? Is it light? So I'd love to hear more about your process. You don't have to tell yeah. everybody what you do, yeah. but, but like moving and you, it sounds like you said. Um, sorry, just one thing I was going to add. You, it sounded almost like something somebody might identify with the term of affirmations when you're talking about audio recordings, or is it something different to help people release something? I, I, I take a topic, for example, I'm working on um, heart consciousness about what blocks the heart. <clears throat> so I just talk about, I just bring up a like a trauma story, like no one, okay. no one trusts me. And I start doing clearings on that topic alone and, and, and just try to go through like 20 basic themes. No one likes me. Uh, I'm not welcome in my family. Uh, I'm the hero, but I carry the burden. Uh, Mm -hmm. These are all stories that were in my own family. And I just do clearings on each one of those. And you may think, well, I, you know, don't resonate with, 18 of those stories, for example. However, mm-hmm. we've been around them. We've lived those before. And maybe our brother and sister took that role on. So therefore, we have opposition to it or, or something that that. So it's not our big issue, but 
it's part of the repression of all of these things. So it's a very generic way to clear a lot of that stuff. You know, I really see that recordings are great on that level. However, then when you get down to your own personal story, you got to really look at it, look at it in the eye and see the truth of what your limitation is and a deal with the shadow and deal with all of those fears you have around it, which is a really interesting process because, you know, when I always thought of my repressed anger, that was a huge uh, thing for me that I never realized until somebody point blank told me how angry I was. And I'm like, what? I'm the nicest guy around. But really, I really got it. I was totally repressed with it. When it, when I cleared all of those stories out energetically, you know, all through that process, I dreaded anger, thinking, oh my God, I didn't get it all out. There's another one. Maybe it didn't work, or there's another one. Oh my God, how much work is this? Mm-hmm. However, then you get to a place where you cross over. And, and that's so much of like you're going on this journey, and all of a sudden you get to the other side with this and you have no fear about it. And it almost becomes a friend. It becomes an aspect about you and you start seeing the benefits that it gave you. And you work in a balance between the two of them. It's no longer this adversity in your life. And that's so much of a part of a spiritual journey. I think for people 20, 30, 50 years ago, this was a lifetime of work. And what we know now, we're talking years of work, you know, not that many years that you can, you know, go into these issues. And, and, and trust me, I was, I was one messed up puppy growing up as a kid. Um, you know, I was kind of at the bottom of the fish barrel. But do you, have you really it. met any human being that gets to be the age where we are in life? And especially, I know we talked about this on Saturday. The more people I I meet that are really embrace, say, their spiritual journey. And again, I don't want to sound egotistical because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the ones that have really awoken to this, if you will, the light workers, for example, right? That are being that light that people are sort of waking up to. Anybody I have met, nobody has had this wonderful Leave It to Beaver, June Cleaver, Brady Bunch upbringing. We have all had so much crap going up, uh, going on, growing up, whether it's trauma, whether it's abuse, whatever it is. It's almost like, you know, before you incarnated into this lifetime in the global you, you're like up there picking out your life experiences, your parents, and you're just piling it on like you're a smorgasbord. "Ah, I've had thousands of lives. I can handle it. And then you forget, I got to live this life. Exactly. It's the difference between living in the United States or someplace like uh, France or or Hawaii, because Mm -hmm. we are confronted with so many stresses and pains and, you know, so many things just slam us. Uh, And and there's so much stress. And, And America really either confronts things very directly or they work really hard at avoiding it. Uh, in general, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to offend somebody, but um, then when I look at some place like Hawaii or, or a lot of my friends in France, they go, oh, no, our parents were there soon after work. We had dinner together 
it was happy and uh, mm-hmm. and that's what I you know and that's what they do. It's like I always go to work, we get have dinner, we have, and it's just so relaxed. But yet there's just not meals are structured differently. Out. Like I don't know where you are, but from what I understand, the people I've met and I know, like the heavier meal is at lunch time, and then you have like a lighter meal in the evening, rather than over in North America where you have lunch and you have your breakfast. But the big meals at supper time, right? And why well, that's, with that's, every meal, they don't worry about this low fat stuff. They eat lots of stuff. Right. With yeah, you, you never make sure that and the sugar doesn't make you sick and 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 the water is really good mainly because we get it out of mountain springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that good stuff really uh, is great. Uh, yeah, but I, I think that's what makes at least the United States. I can't speak for Canada. Um, oh hi, Dave. Sorry, special place. I mean, I just look at that and. I hang out at a place in Austin, Texas, at a, a vegan restaurant and complex uh, called Casa de Luz. And within Casa is this place called the Third Eye Meditation Lounge, which you can uh, imagine what that attracts. And it's a cacao bar, so we, we're, we, you know, we're drinking cacao, and and I'm meeting all these kids that are twenty, maybe thirty years old, that had really nice parents. And they do see a different paradigm. They're curious, but yet they're not in so much conflict the way my generation was. And so mm-hmm. I really see that we're starting to evolve out of that, or at least some of the kids are. I'm going to read a few of these comments. I always love to have people that join our shows. I really appreciate them being here live. If you are just tuning in, uh, you're listening live to 105. 105- Point three out of New Orleans, Louisiana. We are on Roku TV here on UPRN, and you're listening to the Angel Rock with my wonderful guest and fellow UPRN newest host on his own show on Wednesdays, Bart Sharp. I want to say hi to Dave Petrella. Welcome. But we got some good comments here. So Carrie, yeah. when she was she was referring to France, she said there's more balance in um in those places. And then Michelle, who's over in Australia. Sorry, I forgot about Australia too because I know you well. Yeah, Australia. There's many places in Europe. Europe seems to be a lot more open-minded and not so uptight about things like we are. I know I can speak for North America because she said in Australia, we have the heavy meal at dinner, evening meal. We know it's silly, but it's hard to change. I hear you. I hear you. And then she said, we call um, dinner tea. Oh, I forgot you guys do over in the UK. Because I usually, if I'm talking to my UK friends, I'll try and remember like a trunk of a car is a boot that um, you're having tea rather than dinner. I get it. She said it's confusing, but once you get to know people, yeah, it's okay. Embrace people's differences, right? And that's the beauty in it all. I love Mm. all the English. I I love all the English slang. Uh, One of them I I love Mm. is, is calling people stroppy, which means that they're angry. Uh, it just has a nicer. I've heard many words or the one that always gets me with my friends from the UK. I have two very good, close, close, close friends. I call my sister sisters. They live in Canada. They're Canadian, but they've come from UK. The family's all over there. They've adopted many of our slangisms in Canada. No one lives in Mexico, but my point is, yes, there's many terms and they don't say this, but people that are still living over there, like when something's really amazing, they'll say it's, so nice like this tastes so nice and it's like 
nice is a pretty tame word. Like you think you would be saying, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I ever had. But I see a lot of people over there use the word nice. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just differences mm-hmm. in the world. Or, or right? proper. It's like, that's a proper hamburger you have. And I'm going, yes, yes, yes. It doesn't have a tie on. Why would you call it proper? And they're going, oh, that means that it's done right. Yeah. And and I'm always thinking formality with Mm -hmm. that word. Uh, I love languages. I speak three and I love learning about the differences and things like that. And then asking, okay, so why do you call it that versus this, right? Mm -hmm. And then you kind of see, well, not really, I guess you don't want to assume, but you kind of see where it comes from, the history, you know, through the ages. Why why did that name come through in a certain area of the world, right? Oh, I haven't heard this one before. Michelle says, my dad always used the word woggy. Is it woggy to describe my mom's angry mood? Love that word. Is it wa- is it woogie or woggy? Because I seen you spelt woggy, and then you put. I think you meant to put two G's. And if I'm saying it wrong, please forgive me. Oh, she said woggy, woggy. So hey, Dave, I know you're here listening. Um, just so you know, uh, Bart's from Texas because I know Dave lives in in that area. Dave's mm. a very interesting guy. He's been on our show before. He's an astrologist, scientist. He's been very involved with um, Oak Island, the TV show, and. Yes. Uh, Yes, he has. Oh, she said it's woogie. So I guess we have to say it woogie, mm. not woggy. Gotcha. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. So, and I got, it was thinking about when we talked on Saturday, I was thinking about how lucky you are because you live in a, a bigger city in Austin, right? Like you yes. think where I live, for example, and I've had people ask me if we live in igloos and uh we have frozen tundra and and we eat whale and run around and there's penguins everywhere not even close (laughs) but um actually it it was the dell i should i forgot to mention his shows on thursday nights from 8 p.m to 9 p.m the delicious recipe not a cooking show (laughs) talk about many of these topics and much more with dell's show um he was the one that made note of this and i thought yeah you're right would you believe the bulk of Canadians live within about a hundred miles of a U.S. border? And it's true. As big yes. as we are, we all do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so, a warmer place, I suppose. Maybe. Well, actually, we've had a beautiful winter because where we live in Thunder Bay, it's about six and a half, seven hours north of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I am about 35, 40 minutes away from the U.S. border. I have been out in a T-shirt. I have been out in just a sweatshirt and we will go from the summertime and this is Fahrenheit anywhere from 95 to 110 degrees with the humidex and then all the way down to, I kid you not, minus 50 to 55 with the wind chill. Mm. We haven't had that this winter. And I have said, I was talking to my neighbor Right. And I'm going to ask you about this, actually, since I'm going to bring it up. I was talking to my neighbor and I was saying, what a beautiful winter we've had just this just yesterday. And she she said, I know, but it hasn't gotten really cold yet. I said, I could handle even if it did now. We're almost in February, a couple weeks. But what I'm going to bring up is I just love and I think I've trained myself to do this is to be so thankful for everything that. Like I, like I said, it could be minus 50 right now. It's beautiful out. 
So where does gratitude play within the healing that you're doing? Or do you, do you, I'm sure you embrace part of that with, with what you're doing, right? Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a, a woman, uh, part of the younger generation, uh, woman I'm uh, hoping to be on my show in a couple of weeks. And she okay. said, I want to see the joy in any relationship in anything. Mm -hmm. And I switch it to that vibration, you know, in any way I can. Right. And it's choice. Uh, and, and, and I don't think she's trying to see things in rose colored glasses. There's wisdom in being careful and knowing that something might hurt you or someone. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can also say, well, they're a great teacher in making me be more careful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> That balance again, remember balance, right? It does internally is switch your body because you know your body gets addicted to negativity. I mean, you think about it. Well, because the subconscious doesn't know the difference. And so if you're watching, say, a violent movie or something, the same chemicals get released in your body. The like it really does, you're still seeing it or even having the memory of something. It's like you're reliving it over and over, but physically you almost are. And and mm -hmm. like I said, the chemicals, everything. So sorry, I didn't mean to stop you yeah. there. No, no, no. It's, you know, we always thought always thought sugar was the worst addictive substance, but I keep seeing it with people as their biggest addiction is being in a resistance and reaction or an alignment and agreement with, with the stresses in their lives. And they keep mm -hmm. reliving them and going back into the story in your adrenal glands, of course, turning to action and you get all of this energy and suddenly you're more alert, you're more aware and all of that stuff unconsciously feels good, even though you might be angry, but still you, you feel more alive. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it breaks our brain's patterns. And brain wants to stay in a very simple, very regimented type of thing. It's doing this to be more efficient neurologically, to keep doing the same patterns. And it can be boring. And so a lot of people mm -hmm. jump into trauma to get into some energy. But if you keep on staying curious and just flexing your muscle, to see the world differently, you can retrain your body to have something a lot lighter, a lot more efficient, and very stimulating at the same time. Curiosity is a very powerful thing in consciousness to keep mm -hmm. thinking of new things and keep trying to look at adversity because adversity is always around us because we're around hum other human beings. Mm -hmm. And so we always have to turn that around. And then we come into a place of higher functioning. I'm always checking in with my heart and feeling the space of lightness in it. That is an ongoing discipline that I check in 50 to 100 times a day. Mm -hmm. Just to say, oh, how does my heart feel? Okay, let's remember that light feeling that it's perpetually in and let that be the forefront of my awareness. And all of a sudden, my mood changes, I'm balanced, and I'm moving in that place. You know, uh, all of that stuff with the negativity is almost like um, 
an illusion. It really is. Okay, and so what do you mean by an illusion? What do you mean by an illusion? I'm listening. Well, I, I think that, that when we go into anger and negativity or our emotions, it's not the real us. It is a lower form of us. So, okay. I got there, for you. Because I was so thinking I, how I simplify that for people is when because people will come say for a reading of something and i always tell people i'm never going to tell you what your life purpose is i'm not going to tell you where you need to go and what you need to do we will work through this we will work with your guides but when you need a compass what brings you joy follow the joy yeah. right but like you said our natural way of being which i agree with you is to be in a place of balance love peace and joy it really is it really think is about it that's why we love love like Christmas, the moment of all these presents and joy and happiness. And even if the whole holiday may not be that way, right? There's a reason why we like these momentous occasions where we have good memories and happiness. But I have a question yeah. for you. What do you think, and I know you're not going to be able to answer the whole thing because I mean, we can't analyze everybody. What about people that continually, besides that hurt people, hurt people, but you have people who we would be say divine is evil. And the reason I'm asking you this, I do look at true crime as well. I always you freak out. You always go, why are you watching that? Are you thinking something? I go, oh, good Lord. I've been with you enough years. If I was going to do, I've never hit anybody in my life. You think I'm going to go do something to you? But my whole point is I'm trying to understand, is it something physiological? Is it nature versus nurture? But you get people doing really mm. evil, evil it's things. It's so funny. It's funny that you asked this question because I was just working with a client okay. who's had people that hurt her and now she is an adult adversary with a land deal that is stealing from her. And, and one of my teachers always said people do evil things because they can. That doesn't really cut the mustard in my opinion. That's one aspect of it. Mm -hmm. As we were looking at it, uh, I think the decision to hurt people means that you really can't feel the reality of your own body to where your okay. feelings are what the pain is that you would have when you hurt somebody because it would hurt you to hurt another person. And obviously you don't feel the pain of that person. Now, if you do not feel the sensation. How do you fix body. that though? Like I'm thinking that people. I think you're a narcissist. And when you look at the, the definition of what narcissism is, and this is my own personal. Uh, I think thing. we have an epidemic of this. I'm sorry of narcissism. I am seeing so <laughs> much of so, this. There's so many levels of it. And, and it's mm -hmm. not a bad thing, but when we were young, this is a true narcissist. Uh, it was so painful to be in our body that a part of our spirit left. And, okay. um, and therefore we cannot feel us truly. And so we're always looking for other people's feedback on what they think of us. So we can mm -hmm. confirm ourselves as real. We have no. So how do you fix that though? Like, do you do well, you do well, the well, well, the well, exercise well, of working on soul retrieval, or like, what's your yeah, thoughts yeah. on that? Just to finish one more thought with this, this is oh, why sorry. people they don't feel the pain that they're causing other people, mm -hmm. and if they did, they would feel their own pain, and so they just 
com- do a complete bypass. So narcissism, I think, is in the core of that. Um, and how you start to deal with that is start to see the stories of how you left you. You know, how what what were what were the real stresses that you know made you leave energetically? You know, uh like uh, for me it was um you know, I was the fourth child in a poor family, a mistake. You know, the family wanted three kids, fourth shows up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know, intuitively I, I think I just picked that up. So I, 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 you know, there was this feeling that I wasn't really welcome. So yeah, I started going out of my body because that was painful. It's painful to be in that situation. And so it's a way of soothing our uh, soul to just go out of our body. Let's, let's go into our fantasy land as a baby, an infant, separate ourselves, mm-hmm. so to speak. Then you start attracting other traumas with that. The more you're out of your body, you just kind of attract that type of stuff in various ways. It's just like. Yeah, like it attracts like energy. So what I'm thinking, though, because I've studied this quite a bit because I I really maybe I'm surprised I didn't become a psychologist, but I'm really trying to understand like like i'll say this i don't have a problem my mother is a major narcissist and a lot of times narcissists then per- perpetuate this the cycle we can when we don't heal mm-hmm. ourselves or see what the issue or problem is i have one sibling i think that didn't recognize what this was and is perpetuating the cycle i saw mm-hmm. it very early and i think it was because being got this sounds so narcissistic and i don't mean it this way but as I were talking about narcissists, but I think with being very empathic, like I can remember from a very, very, very small child, really feeling what other people felt mm-hmm. and, and like you can actually feel the pain. And I just never wanted to ever make somebody feel that way. Cause I knew what it felt to be hurt wow. like that. But where I'm going with this is, and I think this is, I'm glad we're on this topic. That's a unique topic. perspective to take to do it that way. You know, there's no, there's no set reaction in anybody's psychology about why one person reacts this way to a situation mm-hmm. while the other one jumps in another thing. But mm-hmm. I think what you've done is unique and special. Well, thank you. It wasn't like, I, I just, I think I made a vow very, very young in life. I like, I'm talking like three and four. I remember. And I said, if I ever, ever have children or when I grow up, I will never do these things to a human being about what I felt or, or went through. Now, again, that doesn't make me mm-hmm. perfect because then you tend to almost go the other no. way. You know what I mean? No, like, but you, um, went into, you went into kind of a hyper compassion. Yes, yes. So I'm always don't want to hurt somebody or like my children. I made my, you know, don't get me wrong. I taught them right and wrong and how to be kind to other the, the things that you would want your children to learn. But I would be the parent, let's put it this way, between my ex and I, you knew I wasn't mm-hmm. going to say no. 
my theory is pick your battles. But my whole point of bringing this up is because this is really coming to the forefront in a lot of stuff we're seeing, right? Whether it's with celebrity, uh, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial that just came out and people diagnosing from their couch about what was going on with that just as an observer on the outside. That's a whole different show. But my point is, I feel like we're seeing an epidemic of this. I've really been looking at narcissism, like what causes this? And, you know, when you listen to psychologists, they really break it down to about that preschool age. And they may have wonderful parents that went out and bought them everything they wanted, but there's a real emotional piece that's missing from what I'm seeing. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. What is your perception on this? Or what do you feel like you're seeing with the people that you're working with? Well, it, it's true. It's separation from self because it's too painful to feel the emotions in your body. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so it's all about repression. And for a lot of people, they stay very busy and, and maybe they, be, they, they become addicted. Very few people are in that place where they continually interact with it and confront it, or they just get in so much pain that they finally confront it. Um, a lot of people but, don't go Bart. That's a sad thing. Yeah, it's, they don't well, I think people do, it. people do it at various levels, though. And mm-hmm. um, but if it's just a small percentage that really get clear of it, they open that possibility for uh, millions. Uh, because you know it's trailblazing so to speak. It is. And there is a purpose with this um, not feeling ourselves. I think there's an evolution with it. And and maybe it's kind of like um, the generation of parents that go, well, I had all of this pain and we're going to have something much, much better for our kids. And mm-hmm. the younger generation and the millennials and stuff, which, um, they move things through things so much faster, but I think it's also the goodwill of those parents Mm -hmm. uh, doing so. However, I just keep telling people, feel the anger in your body and do simple clearing statements or do Reiki on it. Or So when uh, you say simple clearing statements for somebody, sorry, I didn't mean to stop you there, Bart. I was just going to say, when you say simple clearing statements for somebody, maybe that's never heard that before, what would that look like for them? There's all types of different modalities these days that do energetic clearings. In other words, you start to feel a tension of an emotion in your body and you can feel it in your body. And then you do something. I use access consciousness, which is a clearing statement right, wrong, good, bad, pot, pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. You probably listen to that and go, what does that mean? It's a series of acronyms that clear the energy of whatever has been triggered and stimulated in that moment. So if we're talking about repressed anger towards your dad when you're in the fourth grade, uh, because he uh, wouldn't let you go spend the night at your friend's house, and, and it just ruins your weekend. And uh, and you really, it would just, and you got it pinpointed to that incident. The clearing statement would just release that anger and you would not be carrying that weight of that repressed emotion anymore. It'd be gone. And when you clear enough of those 
anger weights or other emotional weights, all of a sudden a lightness starts to show up in your body that you never had before. And literally your innate power starts to show up. Mm -hmm. uh, when those of us who've worked on these emotions, what happens, you start to get a wholehearted consciousness. In other words, mm -hmm. you start to have passion in a way you never had before. And that passion builds and all of a sudden you start to apply it to whatever you want in your life. For example, for me, it's like, oh, I have a lot of passion going to France and doing tours. Mm -hmm. And I always have a good tour season, almost all the time. We had the silent year of 2020 with COVID. I didn't have it yeah. then. However, um, all of this, um, it usually just manifests for me because there's a lightness with it. And, and uh, my body is in that lightness. Uh, and it also helps other people because if you're around the Dalai Yeah, because Lama, we radiate that kind of stuff, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, there's a reason yeah. why. And I was talking with a really good friend of mine, and she's the light worker. And her gifts lie in different areas. But how I found out about, if you really want to know about the energy stuff, I'll share this. And I'm going to share Michelle's question because I think it's a good one. I don't usually talk this much, but I'm really enjoying this conversation, Bart. So thank you. And I hope everybody oh, else you. is. Ask questions if you have questions. So yeah. I I was in university for nursing. I was in third year. And the class had really thinned down a lot as it would in a four-year program. And something had happened. I forget what it was. And I was angry, right? I was really angry about it. I don't get angry too often. And I was. But I didn't say anything. I didn't come in. I was five minutes late didn't slam my books down or anything. And I sat down and my professor stopped the class, my nursing professor. And I still remember the shock I felt. This is, this is almost 40 years ago. And I sat down and she said, do you know, Laura Lee, when you come in the classroom and you're angry, like you probably are now, the whole class feels it. The whole class feels it. The whole, you affect the whole class. It's the same thing that when you come in and you're happy, it affects the whole class. And I swear to God, my mouth must have just dropped. And I've never forgotten that. But it's true, well, right? Like when you start to understand about... Well, about you're, kind of, you're kind of in that mystical category. One of the talents mm -hmm. and abilities that has come to me over the years... Say, I, I, I didn't have any of this stuff like you. But um, mm -hmm. it's called the space. And it's the space of your body your energetic mm -hmm. space and everybody's space is different if you're highly right. repressed it's very dense if you're something like a uh, nfl or a football player we just say a football player i was around some college football players a couple of years ago and my god their bodies were so dense because they had to protect themselves and they did mm -hmm. all of these things and they were doing all this you know aggressive violent <laughs> exercises all the time called football which I love watching on television, um, mm -hmm. increased density. Now, I think my lightness really comes a lot from my second chakra in my heart. However, mm -hmm. yours is a very big energy and it's kind of um, very unique. It, it comes from a, it comes from a darker space and it's not bad. It does. It does. It's, yeah, it does. It's, it's like a, 
I, I just seen this in women. Uh, I've met about a dozen in the last couple of years that they mm-hmm. have a dark space energy that's huge. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's the, it's almost like the negative side of a battery that generates energy. And when they put it on the positive side and put a charge out there to the world, whammy, it's, it's friggin' mind jolting. And these people are uber powerful. You know, mm-hmm. when they put their intention on something, mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. Now we, we both have a common friend that has a huge energy like this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. didn't have to say the name. I knew. But what I was going to yeah. say to you, you don't know my background. I didn't share a lot about it. But how I got into this field, I'd started before, but we, I'd mentioned, we, I, th- I might've mentioned, but we, um, I did about Michelle that she, I didn't know her at the time she had commented on our TV episode, but with the whole paranormal, extreme paranormal in our previous home uh, was just insane. And the whole thing is though, with it becoming a full-time job and, and studying like 20 hours a day, trying to find answers, you you just hit the nail on the head so deeply. I have the strangest stories and not enough time that I nor would I ever take time up with a guest to share them. But the whole point, I have been told that so many times that when I came into this lifetime from who I was in previous lifetimes, and I've had confirmation, never mind in the strangest ways, that I had a choice when I came in and what I was going to do with this energy. I had the choice to repeat possibly a previous lifetime where it was very negative or I could do exactly what you just shared. So I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing what you did. So thank you. Thank you. Probably why you picked your mother the way you did. And, and also since you did it at a such a long, young age to make that decision that I'm going to have compassion and, and, and in a way serve them. This was all kind of karmically designed. So you took that position to take that on, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, oh, I know I took it all on, but what I wanted to share. That role oh, was. I'm not saying you've had a joy ride in life. Nobody yeah. gets that. Nobody gets a full free ticket. No. I don't think uh, mm-hmm. we all had challenges from every walk of life. Even the Dalai Lama has challenges, mm-hmm. even though he's a, you know, total amazing guy um you know those people even somebody like amachi uh ama the hugging saint you know her story was that she was totally rejected by her parents they sent her out to the barn to live in the barn for her childhood and what did she do is she took that challenge on and made friends with all the animals and Mm -hmm. kind of ascended the animals to a higher state through her love and of course, you know, everybody started paying attention, like there's something different about this girl, but mm-hmm. she made that choice to take it to that level. And, and that's what we always have to see is like, what's her choice? What's her opportunity? I'm so glad you said the word choice, because that's what I was thinking. It's always a choice what we choose to do with the situations that we're dealt or that are handed to us beyond our control. We believe we know we chose them before we incarnated but my point is we have a choice about what we're going to do with it we have some good questions here but i wanted to add something to me to cut you off i apologize 
Um, when you want to let something yeah that's that's a friend of mine but i wanted to add this very quickly because michelle had a good one too above um when i think when an individual decides to let something go and you really decide it within yourself i think that that's when it can really happen very quickly because when i tell people that i was so shy as a child till about the age of 16 like literally would hide in my closet or under my bed not to see people but it was a time and when i around 16 17 where i went i don't want to be like this anymore and i said i'm not doing this anymore what do i have to be afraid of click gone <laughs> so it's when amazing. we decide when we decide so michelle had asked because we were talking about families growing up maybe there's parents that are narcissists some grow up to be narcissists some decide not to and I thought it was an interesting question then Ida we're going to get to yours Michelle asked but is it is it their path not not to either become narcissist or is it their path to become nar narcissist I think that that's what she's asking isn't that have to do with it as well well I think I think we you know we pick our parents and that sets up a certain challenge and we kind of go through the first seven years kind of in a scripted plan. And then we start to make choices of where we go with that. Okay. And, uh, of course, we have different internal aspects. We have karmic aspects, aspects that contribute to all of what that is. Mm -hmm. And But we're still making choices along that way of, uh, you know, you know maybe, maybe it's that childhood choice of I'm picking narcissistic parents that will never understand me or feel my world. Therefore, I'm going to be doing it alone through my childhood. Mm -hmm. And what yep. type of inner strength will that challenge me to? Uh, mm -hmm. Something of that nature. It's, it's a very complex situation uh, with, with, with all of that. Um, and what we choose to do with it, I think, right? So like you say, you're you're kind of given this path and then, you know, like my brother is not me and I'm not my brother, but we were from the same family and it's what you choose with maybe what your choices are too. I think when you incarnate what your lessons, you know, what you're hoping to learn while you're here. And then yeah. we're also here to play a role in other people's lives to help them and them help us. Like it's when I start start thinking about it it just gets so big right because you start thinking about who affects who and what and what <laughs> i'm always asking questions because questions open up consciousness yep. they open us out of our mind and into something much greater and so uh maybe i'm i'm saying well what about this anger that i have perpetually okay. at my father for example like he's a okay. bad guy about that uh you know, what does that feel like? What position did that put me in? And where am I holding this in my body? And, and how is it serving me? <laughs> Would that be a question too? Because it's not, right? And again and again, until I really feel something in my body. You know, the truth of our limitations is in what's vibrating inside of us. And a lot of times it's in our gut, uh, inner spleen, our liver, our lower intestines, sure. colon. And when we feel it, then we start interacting with that reality. And at that point, 
when you really get, I, I'm always asking 20 questions and, and, and if it's light in my body or if it, if it feels like there's a certain tension that shows up, I go, well, is this anger towards my father, for example, when I feel it in my colon and it suddenly gets twice as the size. I know it's about my dad. And, and I'm asking these type of questions, you know, and, and my vibration tells me the information. And eventually through years of practice, I get visions and stories. And, and, and when I work with clients, I get those stories that just kind of come up, you know, they're telling me a story and I'm going, you know, I'm seeing this vision of your mom, mom being highly critical of you. And she's just like leaning over you with her finger pointing at you yelling. And they look at me and go, yeah, that's my childhood. You know, the body has a language like that and it will tell you. I've never I, looked at it asking. like that, but you're right. I love this question. This is a really killer one. If you got a pen and pencil, I suggest you write it down. And this is access consciousness. Access consciousness really focuses on questions. So whenever you run into a problem, and it doesn't matter what the problem is, from not finding your car keys to, you know, you're having this perpetual conflict with, uh, you know, a friend or a spouse, Yes, this question. This is what kicks it off to getting a greater consciousness towards it. You say, what is right about this that I'm not getting? Very simple. Okay. What is right about this that I am not getting? And it's basically asking a greater consciousness than your mind to show up and give you a direction. Mm -hmm. And I'm always amazed that I get answers or I get help, I find my car keys immediately. I mean, I'll, I'll just turn around in my room and all of a sudden my eyes are pointed right towards my car keys uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm ac accessing my unconscious when I'm saying what is right about this that I'm not getting. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the big questions that I'm always asking. You know, what am I not getting about this? You know, what's the mystery here that uh, I seem not to be aware of? They're all questions and they're said sincerely with some humility. We got a lot of questions here. I'm hoping we can get to Bart. I hope you don't mind because I people are asking, they're asking some great yeah. questions. So yeah, I like this Ida Ida. About, you find Sorry? these emotions held in the aura. And filter through. Oh, there's one before she asks. Can we ask that one first? Um, Which one? She says, do you feel that with our energy, as energy is thought and thought is energy, are we are what we put out. As we raise our vibration, we hit universal laws. Once we have found that balance, we vibrate at that level. Mm -hmm. It's a moment-to-moment -moment choice to keep thoughts there. But, you know, when we start having negative thoughts, you know, there's two things I need, I want to ask. And one is, this is another access consciousness question. And I'm not trying to promote access consciousness, but I'd like to tell you where I get my references from. And it works for you. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so they say, who does this belong to? A lot of your thoughts. Michelle just true. wrote that. <laughs> You're just picking up from other people. And, and they may have a resonance with your history, and that's why you have the thought. 
And if that thought goes away, then you know, well, I just went into the store and I was having sad and lonely thoughts, but really it was about other people being sad and lonely in the store. Because as soon as I said, who does this belong to? I was no longer sad and lonely. But if that thought just keeps coming back and coming back, it's probably in your body consciousness saying, it's time to deal with this issue. Mm -hmm. And then you address that issue. That was That's the discrepancy that I see when you start to go into these beginning levels of practicing a more body conscious therapy uh, for yourself uh, is you pick up a lot of stuff from a lot of people that relate to your own stories. And then there are the specific issues that keep coming up because your body is telling you you're ready to resolve this. Mm-hmm. So and I'm just saying, so, hi, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, I hope that answers that question. Uh, I was going to say, Michelle said just above was taught to ask when I feel something to ask, is this mine? So Yeah, is this mine? Or who does this belong to? Or anything like that. It's, it's, not, it's not the somatics. It's the curiosity and attitude. And, um, you know, I really do believe that energies are stored in the aura. And, and particularly in our astral body, which is right close to our skin. They're also held in our fascia, which is right below our skin. And then they're okay. held in our emotional aura, which is the next level up. And those are the three places to work. And it's good to feel the density of those auras because if uh, there's a lot of density in those auric fields, then you got a lot of emotions. However, the real core of this stuff is in your body. And when you clear I'm just going to stop you for one second, Bart, just for a sec, because there's people that will just be listening. They won't see the video. So I'm going to read the question because you're giving her a wonderful answer. So Ida had asked, which Bart is now answering. Always at the end of the day, I scan my body and address what is mine, then return what is not of me. And I will also add to that, Ida, when I return it, I return it with nothing attached except love for myself. I do because you were talking about people. Oh, go ahead. I have a wonderful story. I I knew this woman and she worked in a prison. She worked Mm -hmm. with a young man Mm -hmm. and they loved her because she was a woman about 45, 50 years old, and she had a lot of wisdom with her. She could she could speak their language, basically, and she cared for them. And uh, she was she gave them a lot of guidance, even though she was a prison guard. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, when I see you on the weekend, you're happy and carefree. How do you not carry that stuff home? And and I had to do the accent. He goes, well, at the end of the day. And I get in my car to drive home. I think of all of that stuff in that prison and how it feels in my body of all the stresses and all the energy of all of those men and and everything like that. And I get it and I put it in this big little ball. And I have this statue of Mother Mary on my ashtray. 
And I just give it to her. And I say, Mary. Wow. That's so powerful. And I don't have to deal with it because I dealt with it for eight hours. And, and uh, I really, and that's a visceral sensation that empower makes that so powerful. She gets the feeling of what all of that stuff is that she's been interacting with. That's the skill set that makes that so magical. And when you start to get in tune with all of what your stuff feels like, you're like 80% there to really resolving it. You just want to find what is that thing that really cleans it up? And plus the other thing, and I think I, I think I said this to you when we were talking on Saturday and I said it many times on the show, but I believe it came from spirit and it is what we perceive becomes what we believe and it becomes our reality because sometimes, or like I said, there's so many cliches that are so true and based on real things like, like, um, be careful what you ask for, or, you know, we hang on to so much stuff and we become self-limiting because of what we believe. That's why I always say it's not my job to judge as well, but you will have people out there what will be telling you what you have to think and what you have to believe and what you have to do this. And this, like, for example, we're talking about narcissists and I'm hearing, you know, many of the psych psychologists that I looked at and researched saying, I, they can't be cure nar narcissists. There is no cure. You can get them so far and there's no cure. No, that is what you believe. That is what you have perceived, but that doesn't mean that every single person or the universal consciousness, whatever it may be, have you accessed every single, you know what I'm saying? Like they've made this self-limiting mm -hmm. statement. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes so. And, and that's, and, and that's why it's always asking, well, where did I get that statement from? Mm -hmm. You know, I was always desperate. I'm, I'm 67 and I'm a bachelor and I'm, and I've been a bachelor for hmm, 17, 18 years. And I'm, I'm pretty much happy about that. I almost got married once in that time. However, I kept having this insistency about 12 years ago that I should be finding the next Mrs. Sharp. And like every party that I dated or got to knew or got was attracted to, I was always looking under that definition of, is she the one? Oh, okay. and, and I was going wait a minute, where did I really learn that from? And I started muscle testing about the people that I grew up with. You know, who taught me that value? And it was one of my aunts. And she was always going, well, I'm going to be really good to my daughters because I don't want to die alone. And I'm going, is that what I'm doing with wanting to find a wife? I don't want to die alone. And I, and I muscle tested it and my body just riveted, you know, like, oh my God, what a crazy belief system. And of course I changed it. And I just said something like, I'm willing to die alone. I'm okay. But when did you hear it? Right? Like, when did you hear it? And it's the same thing. A lot of people don't realize I'm going to add to this. Again, we go back to that very young age where we're like a sponge. Right. Like we, we exactly. heard that at family dinners. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, uh -huh. that's when the impressions were. It's like, you know, 
six, seven, eight, something like that. Yeah, but uh, then it gets that, buried really deep in there okay. and it becomes of who we think we are. So we hang on to it, right? Like I will be, I'm sure. pretty transparent and open with people and I appreciate your honesty and transparency because I think people can relate to that. I'm, I've really been noticing that manifestation can work really well. Like I'm starting to get the hang of it. Still mm -hmm. haven't quite figured it out with finances, but you know what it is. Again, I go back to what I just said. What we perceive becomes what we believe and it becomes our reality. I'm unraveling yeah. that because I know in my mind somewhere to go back, like you said, where did that come from? Was I hearing money, money don't grow, doesn't grow on yeah. trees or whatever it is. And again, I want to add something and I know you will concur wholeheartedly, Bart. When we're talking mm -hmm. about this as children, what we're hearing, this is with no blame. Because our parents did the best that they possibly could with who yeah. they were and yeah. what they had. I really believe that. Right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, for my parents, they believed that they were always going to be poor. They, they looked like they could mm -hmm. just be off the movie set of The Grapes of Wrath. You know, they mm -hmm. were farming people and they mm -hmm. were always poor. And that's what they believed. And every time they got money, it just seemed to disappear. It wasn't mm -hmm. that they were spendthrifts, just something would happen and it'd be gone, you know, like a medical mm -hmm. expense. Um, and I thought, man, I, I don't want this life. And at the same time, I don't want to be having my life focused on money all the time. Mm -hmm. So I just started looking at their values and writing them down and writing down some of those stories. And then I would feel it in my body about what that felt like. And then I would do the energy work with it. And, um, you know, it seemed mm -hmm. to shift with that. And um, mm -hmm. now it doesn't really matter with money with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it comes, you know, and I've had I've had a big challenge this past year with a, with a, a medical bill and um, also with a. I found the pickup truck of my dreams that I mm -hmm. ordered. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something about that debt that feels like utter joy mm -hmm. because it's going to multiply my energy. I'm mm -hmm. going to enjoy this truck so much that lots of clients and other sources of money will be coming in in all directions because I really would like this. Your vibration right. will be so high. You'll be a match for it. And something I want to add to that, Bart, that I really yeah. have a, a lot of um, admiration for you sharing that. Because I always say when I was working before I hurt my back as a nurse, I worked in the NICU and maternal newborn. And I say I was always blessed hundreds of times to be there at the beginning of life. And then when I worked out in the community, I did a variety of things, but I also did a lot of palliative care. So I always say I've always felt so deeply honored to have my patient as well as their family invite me to be a part as of their loved one transitioning back home. And I've said this so many times it's on the show and I will say it so many other times. I can tell you every single person when they were palliative and they were getting ready to pass, not one of them ever said, geez, I wish I had made more money. Geez, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. It was usually, 
I wish I hadn't waited and kept saying I was going to put off buying that dream truck that I found till I had so much money in the bank. Or I didn't tell people around me that that I loved. You know what I mean? Living in the moment instead of living. And and you can't take it with you anyways. So spend it, enjoy it. Like you said, it'll raise your vibration and you know the way this works. It will bring in the money to to cover this. And I'm always saving money and, and collecting money. At the same time, there's a joy to it. Uh, with that, that makes it all more special. Um, you know, and I really looked at my own life and I'm going, because I was always thinking I'm going to get poor and, and, uh, I'm going to be that way like my parents. And then I looked at myself and go, wait a minute, you've worked in jobs all your life and you found jobs you liked and you always seem to get what you want. It's not this big expensive thing. So why do you think you're poor when, you know, you just seem to pull things in that you need? Mm-hmm. And it kind of slapped me in the face. Can I ask, answer Ida's question real quick? Yeah, it just read it first in case someone's listening. And yeah, that's why I left it up there. Please do. How do you incorporate uh, shamanism with access consciousness? Uh or do you keep them separately after I uh, had learned access and I, I'm not a good representation of access because I've not done a class in over 15 years, but at the same time, it was such a powerful tool for five years of my life. It's always a reference for me because it's, you know, they have a lot of great information. Uh, but when I started to feel what emotions felt like in my body, uh, somewhere in that process, I crossed over to seeing spirits of myself and of others that were represented or, or they were the emotions. You know, if you're, if you're like uh, very shameful, uh, which was a big emotion for me, uh, I would find myself like in the bottom of a dungeon or my spirit being in the bottom of a dungeon chained up, like I can't go anywhere. And, and now that, that was just kind of like an accidental discovery that I could see that world and, and, and also deal with it. And um, it's kind of like access taught me how to feel energy. And that's what they're always uh, talking about is feel the energy. In other words, when you go to the store and you look at one avocado to another one, one of them, when you touch it, your whole body feels good. The other one doesn't. Of course, you're going to buy the avocado that your body feels good with. Uh, it's it's as simple as that. Or the difference between going to France and Belize. France feels great. I think I'll go to France. Um, uh, so we 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 learn a sensuality with what our body is telling us. And I think we have it as kids. And some people are so strong with it that never forget it. Hence, Miss uh, Laura here, uh, she she has it, you know. Uh, but some of us- I don't know how to, unra- I'll be honest with you though. I, I, and again, this is my own limiting belief and I'm working on it, is that um, I have a lot of anger. And the reason why I know I do 
how I actually started on this journey before the paranormal or anything. I almost died when I was 32. They couldn't find out what was wrong. Um, I was in the hospital. They sent me to Toronto. Like they tried everything to find. I ended up finding out the answers and unraveling it myself. But it kept involving the liver. I even went to a naturopath thinking being a chronic pain sufferer, and I haven't given up on that either, that mm -hmm. there's a way to heal this naturally. Because I, like I had said to Bart, and I've said a few times on this show, even though I come from a big pharma background, for myself and my family, I believe that, you know, looking for an alternative, whether it's an ad, you know, an adjunct or something added on, I, I do look at that. So I was looking for alternatives and nothing was working. She even tried psychic surgery. That was a cool experience. And I didn't know any of these things that I know now. And did they just pop up? No, they were always there. I just kind of buried them under layers of other things, right? And I started looking into the significance of the liver. And I realized, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of anger mm -hmm. there. But it's a scary space to go. And you kind of touched on that yourself, oh, yeah, Mark, yeah. like with anger. Well, when you look at anger as an energy... Mm -hmm. And not the stories like you're not going back to the past to be right in that point where it was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You uh, you really uh, are just into the energy. Somehow, I think that allows it to be to detach from it easier. Um, I don't know, because I tried journaling. This is years ago. No, I'm in a different space than I was. So it might be worthwhile, but I haven't wanted to uncork the bottle and the genie, if you will. Um, was I getting angry at everybody? No, but, but I didn't like journaling and I didn't want to. And that was part of the exercise I was given. And yeah. I felt up, I felt up a whole notebook this thick. And I didn't even realize it didn't. I wasn't even there yet because I don't allow no. myself to get angry. If I'm angry, it takes a lot. And usually I'll just be vibrating. I know that it's like you, I am you, afraid you, to pull you, that cork off the bottle. You know, and let the, you know the family role of compassionate healer that balanced everybody and anger would never serve you because it would unbalance you. So what uh, do you say? That, that's your childhood pattern. It's like, that's why mm -hmm. you don't feel anger. It's because you had a different job in the family. You held everything together with compassion. You were the person who felt everybody's stuff and mm -hmm. gave them energy back so they would stay better balanced. Right. It's a real magician juggler type of job. You know, you're juggling everybody's energies. That's true. That is true. You know, mm -hmm. Like my aunt, my, my uh, father's, father was one of the most abusive people you'd ever want to meet mm -hmm. and my father's youngest sister was very pretty very charismatic mm -hmm. and somehow could calm that man down to where he wouldn't beat up on all of the other children mm -hmm. and that was that became her unconscious job and role now, this means you're kind of, I don't want to say sleeping with the energy because she didn't sleep with him, but she was sitting on his lap all the time mm -hmm. and saying, come on, daddy, you've got to be okay. Yeah, but she was like right in the mailstorm. So as an adult, she's mm -hmm. the one who gave me the bad advice about finding a wife, by the way. Uh, okay. She was constantly nervous. 
because she was in that idea of like, I got to make everybody happy and make everybody okay. And, uh, you know, that's an impossible job. There's so much anxiety that was sitting inside of her that she didn't even know she had due to that impossible role that she had to play in the family. Yes. How do you really know who you are, right? Like when you're juggling all of these things and all like, you know what I mean? You're trying to maintain balance and you've got all these balls in the air, right? But you've never taken the time to find out who you are because you're playing peacemaker with the rest of the family members to keep everybody calm, right? Well, I think there comes a time when you first start on this spiritual journey, it's intellectual. You start writing out the stories. And I'm not talking about talking about them. I'm talking about get the pen and paper and get notebooks. And there's something magical about writing that makes it permanent. And Mm -hmm. somehow it leaves that crazy squirrel cage that's rolling around in circles and comes down solid on paper. Mm -hmm. They're so valuable. Uh, and everybody plays an important role. I, I played the village idiot, the victim. The, oh my the, God, that's uh, a terrible name. <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway, that, the idiot of the family. And, uh, you know, it was just interesting. Once I left the family, uh, I learned how to let that role go, or some of those roles, not all of them, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, but, uh, no, that's what I played. And, uh, you know, we all had our stuff. We all envied the other kids in the family because they had a different role. But, you know, mm-hmm. nobody got out with some type of crap on them. You know, it's just a crazy family. But have you and, ever really met anybody that, like you, we were talking about this a little bit ago, we're almost, we only got about 10 minutes left. And this is what people hey. I think are going to find so helpful by us sharing personal things, and I thank you for that, that I think, yes, like, Carrie important. made some comments here that she's seeing it. Her birthday's the same date as mine, and I found out Michelle in Australia. I kept thinking she was the same date. Carrie, she's the day after us in Australia, the 16th. But my point is, there's a lot of people that will be hearing this. that will be going, oh, my God, yeah, that's me. Oh, my gosh, that's me. Like, you mean there's a way to, to help it and fix it? And that's so powerful so thank you for this i really really oh, sure. do this is what i do oh that's where i was going with the question one sec i was gonna say have you ever met anybody if they were being honest that has gone through life and grown up and hasn't had like you said all this crap on them or with yeah. them or their their suitcase their shadow they're dragging behind them and their yes. bag yes. behind them it's, it's all there and and god bless us all for uh walking with it and know that there's answers for you somewhere. It's something that uh, a great benefit if you explore it every day and be kind to yourself. It's not something that- Your body will talk to you. Your body will talk to you. It will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And asking the body questions. I'd always ask these Mm -hmm. wild questions because I was retired early as a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And here I wanted to be this access consciousness, which then became a shaman. And I had all this spare time. So I just sat and I just did energy work all the time on personal issues. And so I explored this stuff and I would ask questions like at age two, 
what was the vibration of my father's anger when I was in his presence? And all of a sudden, this vibration would show up in my body. And I just get this vision of what it's like to be around my dad. And, wow. you know, the pressure that he was under to, you know, raise four kids, have a wife and work a job that would be comparable to making $12 an hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talk about a, you know, pressure cooker. Yeah. You know, uh, he just really tried his best. Although the other guy that turned green occasionally would show up, you know, and we just all well, had, had to- no way to let it out. Like back then, especially yeah. being a man. Like nowadays, yeah. it's still hard for men, you know, or acceptable for them. It's getting better to express their emotions and what they're really feeling. Can you imagine what your dad yeah. was feeling back yeah. then too? Mm-hmm. A woman a woman told me this great story. She goes, there's a study in Chicago where they went to, they, they put a person in all of these people's homes, like one person in each home of these people that were, known abusers or known child abusers. Oh my. And, uh, you know, they were actively abusing their kids and everybody knew it. Uh, and this is a long time ago. So the laws had changed, but what this person did with their only job was when this person was under any type of stress whatsoever, any kind of stress, they would nurture them. And they really? would be there to support them. And during that time, there were no cases of abuse. Amazing. Oh my I think that's an amazing piece of information. Absolutely. It's and and so, so, so powerful. What if, one more thing to add to it. So what if you were in your uh, stuff in extreme and then you stopped And you go, where do I feel this in my body? And you're able to get in touch with that big stress and you just sit with it and you allowed it to calm down and you nurtured yourself. And and, and you don't even have to do it with current stuff. You can do it with stuff that happened 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's a great gift you can give yourself to be that aware. And it just takes a little practice to get there. I, this has been so powerful. I'm going to read Carrie's comment because I want to give you enough time for people to find you. I want you guys to all hop over to Bart's show. These are some of the things he's going to be talking on his show. Isn't he amazing? Um, Carrie says, um, somatic body work is crucial. Just cognitive behavioral therapy alone will only get you so far. Because I didn't even get into you because they're using like things like LSD and stuff to help with PTSD. I want to, I'm going to have to have you back on Bart because I've got so many other questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I get asked that question a lot by the uh, younger folks at the, uh, at the vegan restaurant and third eye meditation lounge. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not an advocate. I mean, a lot of people really like that and micro dosing. And I guess it works, but to me, it's like, well, are you really getting to learn the lessons that the repressed anger is there to teach you? And and what I meant was in clinical settings. 
in clinical settings, yeah. I've been looking at the research. So they're saying that they're finding a purpose for these drugs, but yeah. using it in microdosing clinical setting and the amount of work they're being able to get done versus years of therapy. That's where right. I, I was going. I know that's not a quick answer, but. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like this. Uh, the, the, the woman that I was so sad about, I mentioned earlier, one time I really felt like she betrayed me and I am steaming angry and I don't know what to do with that anger. And she said, Bart, I know you're mad at me, but I want you to sit and really think about what else triggered this anger. And I'm just like, and I trusted her. She was amazingly she knew a lot more than I did. So I trusted her mm -hmm. to follow her advice, even though I was livid at her. So I sat there and I really saw the parallels between she and my father and that all my daddy uh -huh. issues were being triggered in that moment. And then I could kind of separate them energetically in my body and be present with both. And all of a sudden it diffused so much quicker. Mm -hmm. It's the gift of clarity. and. Uh, you know, um, and I love that question from Jane Walker. Why on earth do people keep having three, four, five kids when they cannot take uh, care of them? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we want to nurture children and separate us from the problems that we have, just like we get jobs that we're overcommitted to and, uh, you know, football games that we live by instead of living with our um, spouse and kids. It's mm -hmm. about escapism. And, uh, you know, the real gift in the process is learning how to be present with you. I'm going to leave it on that. I hope you're going to come back again, Bart, because I just Anytime. love doing this with you. I hope you guys all enjoyed this because we had a lot of comments, great um, questions tonight. Yeah, yeah. There's so many great questions and we haven't really got to deal with them. By the way, I do this shamanic work. I work through Zoom. Uh, I, I was just going to ask you to tell them, Bart, we didn't get into your books or anything like this was such yeah, a yeah, conversation yeah, look at bartsharp.com or bart sharp and there i am uh and um uh, my show is on yeah, where can we find you on social media about your show where to find it the yeah, whole bit yeah, and i will start talking uh i post a lot of stuff i got different groups on facebook but just friend me on bart, as a as a bart sharp the guy from austin texas um and um my show on uh, United Public Radio Network, which I'm uber excited to be a part of this team because it's a wonderful team. And, uh, you know, getting to know uh, Joe Maltado, uh, it's been amazing of how he's created such a, just, you know, this big radio show that I, I'm just kind of, you know, guff God by all of his talents. And I've known Michelle Jefferson. Happy Jefferson's birthday, Joe. It was Joe's birthday yesterday. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I sent him a picture of a UFO that I photographed on uh, a Stargate mountain in France. Uh, Ooh, I, I made him a video. I posted it. I was playing with a new program. And I know how much he loves um, aliens and whatever, right? So yeah, I did that yeah. very quickly. 
quickly. And he was telling us on the Centralist on Friday night, because he's from Louisiana, he's a, he's a good old Cajun boy. And he was saying that he knew Britney Spears and that he dated her. They come from the same area. So you're not going to believe this. Talk about, I don't believe there's any coincidences. I actually found Britney Spears on stage singing happy birthday to Joe. So the whole clip is right in there. You have to check it out. It's on my Facebook yeah. profile. I sent it to Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing team. And when you look at some of the shows on it, I'm just, I, I'm just, it kind of brings a tear to my eye that I get to be a part of this, even though I'm a beginner and I've, I've never done anything, but uh, you're going to do one, great. So very quickly, I want to ask you, we got about one minute left. What, what time's what, your what, show? And I, I just wanted to say thanks to Michelle Devershire and her great show, the, uh, the Outer Beyond. But my show is on Wednesdays at the Outer 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Oh, yours. Okay. And uh, it's okay. called uh, Becoming Quantum Conscious, which basically is that inner journey of learning this inside space that we all have and can enjoy and empower our lives. Thank you to everybody that was here. Thank you, Bart. I know I'm going to be having you back on. We became, I think, fast friends. I was sad to see him go. He really um, uplifted my day on Saturday. We had mm -hmm. that chat together and I thank you. I look yeah, forward to many more. Um, thank you to everybody with your wonderful comments at the end of the show. If you missed it, there's always replays anywhere where talk radio or podcasts are carried. We're also on Roku TV under UFO space. And if you go P for paranormal, it will come up so you can watch there. Um, I will be back Thursday. Don't forget, guys, the thing at the foot of the bed with my amazing co-host, David Hansel. We will have all kinds of really unusual kind of weird unexplained things but we always explain it from a positive kind of perspective it's going to be a lot of fun that's four to six p.m eastern standard time next week i will be back god my brain just went blank i have an amazing guest for you next week i do i promise <laughs> i do i do they're already booked same time same space i send you all so much love and light and gratitude for being here good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you may be don't forget to check bart, bart out on wednesday love you i'll see you on thursday Thanks, Bart. Thank you. Thanks for having me.